Welcome to the Mike Litton Experience Podcast. Mike has over 31 years experience in real estate, finance, and investing. He's passionate about being a father, a teacher, a realtor, an investor, and a leader. Everyone has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. And now, introducing the host of the Mike Litton Experience, Mike Litton. So what is Mike Time? Mike Time is a set of short stories that have happened throughout my lifetime, experiences of mine throughout my lifetime, that have taught me lessons that I hope will be of value to you. So what can you expect from the Mike Litton Experience? You can expect stories that will inspire, motivate, deliver advice that sharpens your focus, as well as providing expert information regarding real estate, finance, and market conditions. Derek? Yes. Evans, thank yes. you for being here. One of my favorite people in the world. I'm so excited about this. When I started my podcast, what, 45 days ago, you were one of the very first people that I wanted on. Um, and I know you're busy and I appreciate you doing this. Sure. So as we talked about, everyone has a story and our passion is to help them tell it. So with your permission, mm -hmm. we're going to start at the very beginning of your life and go all the way up to today. And then okay. we can talk about anything you'd like to talk about that's happening today. Okay. Cool. Sounds good. All right. So where were you born? Uh, Columbia, Missouri. Okay. October 16th, 1980. October 16th. So you have a birthday coming up. Birthday coming up. Yeah. You share a birthday with my grandma. Is that right? Yeah. Her, her birthday was on the 16th. Cool. Well, cool people were born that That's day. it, baby. That's <laughs> it. That's cool. So October 16th. So you have a birthday coming up. Um, Columbia. Yep. Okay. Missouri. Columbia, Missouri. Did you grow up there? I did. Um, spent most of my time there, though. Moved around a few times because parents were divorced when I was about four or five years old, somewhere gotcha. in there. Okay. Um, so I tried to go live with my mom when she moved to St. Louis. Didn't work out, wanted to come back. Um, so lived in Columbia most of the time. And then uh, my dad moved to Illinois for okay. three years, okay. to a place called Olney, Illinois. Okay. Where he got a teaching job. He's a uh, mathematics professor. Okay. So uh, I went with him out there because my mom had moved away from Columbia at that time. And so that was the, you know, that was the only other option. Now we moved around a lot when we were in Columbia. I moved a lot. I mean, lived in so many different homes um, and went to so many different schools, okay. which I think was actually an advantage in the in the long run. Difficult during the time where you make new friends, yeah. get back into the cool crowd, whatever. But um, a good lesson in life on um, just interacting with people and you know having to, not being able to get comfortable. Yeah. Not really having the opportunity to get comfortable. So learning how to adapt and overcome. Yeah, how to adapt to different environments. And with that town we moved into in Illinois, only Illinois, home of the white squirrels. By the way, there's white squirrels that will come eat food out of your hands. Really? Protected. Yeah, they know that they're that they're safe and know it's. Oh, that's so cool. White squirrels, albino squirrels, will come and they'll eat food out of your hands and just chill with you, like sit by you. It's crazy. Wow. Town is less than ten thousand people, so I've never Tiny. been to a place like that. Yeah. Very very different. Okay. Some bizarre stuff. Yeah. Um, it was just a weird vibe all, all together. <laughs> so it was, it was interesting. I met really cool people there. How and old were you when you moved there? That was, uh, I was 12. I lived there from 12 to 14. Okay. So then I moved back. My mom moved back to Columbia, so I decided to move back with her. Okay. And just all my best friends were there. It was high school time. You yeah. know, wanted to go be with those sure. good buddies and stuff. Play sports with them and things like that. Yeah. And so I came back. Um, which I know is disappointing to my dad, but at the same time, he understood, yeah. you know, that like, hey, we've been moving around a lot. 
and just haven't been to the most awesome places. Right. He was about to move again as well to Ava, Missouri, which okay. was just as podunk as all the Illinois, um, <laughs> but just in a different place. Right. So I was like, you know what? Instead of going to a new podunk place, a I'm new small back, podunk place. Back back. <laughs> <laughs> so he understood. He understood. And you were and you were fourteen at the time. I'm fourteen. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we all made our best decisions when we were fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> so what sports did you play? Um, so growing up, I pretty much played everything. Excelled a lot in soccer um, and uh, golf. Okay. So in high school, I didn't play anything but golf. Okay. I was gonna play baseball. Um, I had made a travel ball team that all the kids who who play on the baseball team in high school. That all that that they play on right. um, in the summer leading up to it when I was going to be a freshman, but um, decided I didn't want to play travel ball because my best friend didn't make the team. Oh, so my best friend didn't make the team. This is really the reason I wanted to do it. Right. They called me up and said, "Hey, congratulations, you did great. You're on the team." Right. And I was like, "Yeah, actually, I'm not going to play. You guys <laughs> cut Rob, so uh, I think I'm going to just hang out with him." Well, and so I didn't. I didn't end up playing baseball in high school, um, but uh, played everything. Growing up, it was golf was my sport that was easy for me. Yeah. Like, grew up with a golf club in my hand, pretty much. Dad's a big golfer, and so he would take me to the course when I was four or five years old, and I'd just sit there on the greens and just putt and chip around forever. And what an advantage that was for me later. Oh, sure. Golf competition. Yeah, no kidding. So when uh, it was very easy for me to be the number one golfer on my high school team. Okay. First, first event as a freshman, I medaled, which means I had the lowest score of everyone in the competition. And from then on, it was just, you know, everyone expected me to, to beat everybody. Yeah. And so, played a lot of golf um, and, and got burned out. Really? Learned what burning out is like. Yeah. yeah. My, uh, I gave up my spot to go to state as a senior to a freshman who finished sixth. So, the top five players go to state. Mm -hmm. We had a really good a freshman, his name was Aaron Weir, and he, um, he was very motivated, very good player, such a good kid, too. Just a great kid. His dad is an asshole. Um, I hope he hears this. But um, he's mean to him for no reason. Mm. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I decided to let Aaron go in my place. And, uh, and no one could believe it. No one could believe that I did that willingly. They thought there must be something going on. There was all this rumors, drama. And then I showed up at State to support the guys and say, hey, what's going on? You know, yeah. and, and just no one could believe that. And you know, it's like, yeah, I could have come. You know, I could have played. But look what Aaron, Aaron shot 79, 77, you know? Yeah. He's a great, he did great. So, um, so do you mind if I ask you what made you do sure. that? I was done. You just had had all the golf that you that you could stand, was, and you were a senior at that yeah, point. Okay. Girls and and, uh, and and fun was more interesting to me than golf at that point. Okay. I had just gotten. I was just over it. So you got pulled away. Okay. Golf's a hard sport. Yeah, it's it very is. individual. Yeah. There's no there's no team to lean on. True. You know you don't get to get a pass. You don't yeah. get to have a bad day. Yeah. Have a bad game and still win. Right. If you have a bad day, you have a bad day. Yeah. And that's that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so no it's kidding. tough. It's a tough sport. You grind and grind and grind. And I was just grinding and grinding and grinding for so many years. Yeah. I got up so many trophies and all that stuff. I said, no, I've done enough. I'm not going to play in, in college. I was recruited a few places. Considered going to a couple of different places that were just gorgeous. I was one of those schools in North Carolina. I was a school in Pella, Iowa. Um, they weren't like D1 schools or anything like that, but mm. it was going to be fun and I was going to play golf. And I, th I had that dream for a while, but it, it, it died my senior year. Mm. So, you know, I'm done. Okay. I can't take it anymore. All right. So you send number six. Yep. 
right? Yeah. And he does well. Great. You're super proud of him. Yeah. Whole thing. Um, doesn't doesn't feel like a sacrifice to you because you pretty much were done. So you just okay. And everybody was shocked. No way. Wow. So, so you guys go to state. He does well. Yeah. Then what happens? You graduate. You graduate from high school. Yeah, graduated from high school. Went to Mizzou. Okay. University of Missouri. Okay. Columbia. Oh, SEC. Okay. Had no intention of uh, of graduating. That was never on my my list. Okay. Uh, so you went there to. I wanted to uh, to learn some things. I wanted to take classes that I was interested in learning more about. Okay. And I wanted to have the experience of going to college. Okay. But I had no intention of getting a degree and like doing things that way. Okay. I just had no intention of that at all. Okay. And and that. <laughs> so what what classes were you interested in? I took uh, a lot of philosophy. Um, I took the Calc series one, two, really? three. Okay. Yeah. I took uh, geology. Okay. Um, I took logic and critical thinking. Um, I took chemistry, believe it or not, biology, a couple of the main ones um, that I was, was interested in that were very big classes, and uh, multiple psychology classes. So it was just stuff that I was interested in taking. It was not putting me on a degree path at all. So you kind of followed your passion. Yeah. Okay. The counselors didn't know what to do with me. They're like, well, you have to declare this so we know which path to put you on. I was like, right. no, I'm just going to take these classes. Yeah. And they almost wouldn't let me do it. I was like, wait a minute, I'm paying for this, right? Right. Right. <laughs> you need to tell me no. Yeah, I'm the paying customer here. I want to take this and this and this and this. Right. Like, well, that doesn't put you on a path. I'm like, I'm not on a path. Don't try to put me on a path. I'm on my own path. I'm not on a path. I'm not graduating. It's never going to happen. Right. There's no way in the world it's not going to happen. But also, at that time, shortly after my first semester began, is when I got in the mortgage business. Really? Yeah. Wow. Very young. Very what made young. you do that? My good buddy of mine, uh, he was about eight years older than me, had been working in a mortgage broker, and had been seeing what they were doing. He was just casing the place, basically, um, start his own shop. Okay. And he, when he did, he said, he told me, he prepped me, he said, hey, I'm gonna need you. Once I start this thing, I mean, people are good with numbers, good with people. Mm -hmm. He said, you'll do great. So um, he was telling me about how this was gonna work and all these different things, and uh, he started a company, and I, I joined him mm -hmm. in, in doing it. Um, and that was in 1999. 24 years ago. Yeah. Remember cold call? Oh, wow. Phone, Mike. There we are. Okay, so here we are. It's We're currently October uh, 9th, or October 10th, pardon me. We're October 10th of 2023. So it was basically 24 years ago that you got started in the business. Yeah. And you were calling the phone book. Yes. <laughs> Back when they had phone books. Uh, Be careful, you're dating yourself. <laughs> you I think you just book. popped another gray hair in your beard. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I already feel old, right? Because I got started in 1992. Yeah. So and started the mortgage business. So yeah. So um, so you so you start the mortgage business. You cold call out of the phone book. Um, did you like it? Did you enjoy it? Was it? Um, you know, it was it was eye opening. Okay. Because back then we were trying. We were a refi shop. Yeah. And we were having to explain to people what that was. Most people didn't know what a refinance was, or that you could refinance. Right. When we talked to them about getting a loan for their home, they're like, "No, I already have a loan." Right. Yeah, I know, but what are the terms of that loan? We can make them better. Right. So, but how's that going to work? I don't want another loan. No, no, we don't want to give you another loan. We, we want to replace it. We want to pay off the old loan. And I, I spent most of my time explaining to people what refinancing was. Okay, that's that's how much the, the market was cornered at that time. I love you, buddy. <laughs> I really do. Um, I'm actually writing a book starting January 2024 on homeownership. Okay. 
And it's exactly because of that. Wow. It's exactly because of that. I keep coming across people that don't understand what a refinance is. They don't understand how FICO scores work. They don't understand. I spent an hour and 32 minutes on the phone with my daughter's boyfriend about a month ago. Mm -hmm. And I called my ghostwriter that's writing the book with me starting in January. And I said, I don't have, I don't have an hour and 32 minutes for 330 million people. Right. That's why we're writing the book. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, we're writing a book on home ownership. And we're literally taking the case to millennials as to why part of the American dream needs to be homeownership again. Good. Okay. Needs well, I'm crazy enough to think I can do it. Like I can drive a national narrative, right? You know, I probably I probably lost my mind. But here's the thing: we're in the midst of the single largest transfer of wealth in our nation's history. There's some seventy-two trillion dollars with a T mm -hmm. being transferred between baby boomers and their millennial kids and grandkids. 90% of that's real estate, and the millennials don't want it. Yeah, They don't trust it. Because when they were kids, and we were going through the Great Recession, they were watching the people around them that they love. They have PTSD. They were watching the people around them that they love lose their houses to foreclosure. So they don't trust real estate. Certainly not the way we do, mm -hmm. or value it the way we do. So this whole thing is about, this is what homeownership is about. This is how you buy a house. This is how you finance a house. By the way, when you buy a house and finance it, if something goes wrong, here's how you handle it. Here's bankruptcy, here's foreclosure, here's short sale, here's all these different options that you can use to handle the situation. It's not the end of the world, right? Because we always fear, what we fear most what we don't know, okay? Especially before marriage. So that is exactly, yeah, that's exactly why we're doing what we're doing. We're gonna talk about Dodd-Frank, we're gonna talk about CFPB, we're gonna go into all that stuff but it's basically designed so that they can see that even if life throws you a curveball, there's a way out. There is a way, even if you go through bankruptcy, to obtain or attain a high FICO score, 700 plus FICO score within 12 months. I've had a client do it. Yeah. They followed my advice. It can be done. So that's why we're writing the book. So thank you for letting me put that shameless plug in. I appreciate it. So you were explaining to people what refinancing was. Right. It was quite the education, I'll bet. I'll bet it was quite the deal. So you refinance a bunch of a bunch of a bunch of loans, it sounds like, right? Yeah. How did how did you enjoy the business? Did, was it something that you that you truly enjoyed doing? Was yeah. it Yeah, I loved it. Okay. It was great. Because okay. at that time, you know, most people had adjustable rates. Yeah. 10, 12, 15 percent yeah. adjustable rates. And we were doing fixed rates at seven and a quarter or seven and a half and making three or four points. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was, it was, so you were saving them. Let's just, let's just, everybody. let's just talk about this for a second. Yeah. You were saving them two, three, four hundred dollars a month. Yeah. Right. And probably didn't cost them a whole ton to get this new loan. So now they were in a situation where they were, it was a win-win all the way around. Yeah. Right. And they now learned something in terms of something that can be done to help solve a potential challenge. And this is, this is Missouri, remember. So yeah. people are more focused on paying the house off than saving per month. So exactly. a lot of times it was, hey, you have 27 years left. I can get you the same payment for 15 years. Yeah. And they'd be like, yeah, do it. Yeah, that's so pretty cool. So a lot of it was long-term savings and shortening loan terms uh, from 30 to 20 or, you know, to 15, even 15 or right. 10 years. Right. They're doing a lot of 10-year refinancing. And back there, they don't trust lenders. They don't trust banks. Right. They, they want, in debt, they don't trust, right? They don't use debt. A lot of them don't use debt. They get rid of it as quickly as they possibly can. Yeah, they don't like it. Right. Nobody wants to owe anybody. I bet that's a, that was an interesting 
environment to be in the mortgage business. Hundred <laughs> percent. So quite a quite a learning experience. So how long? Okay, so you went to Mizzou. Yeah. You're going. You're working in in mortgage. Yeah. Did you end up leaving Mizzou? I did. Okay. Um, after four semesters. Okay. So I worked in the business and and then and went to school. So okay. I'd go to school in the mornings. I'd be done by noon. I'd go to the office from you know noon to nine. Right. Or whatever. So right. Call people. Okay. And uh, and doing really really well with that. And I realized that you know. My last semester, my grades were probably really bad. Yeah. You know, I had a D. At that point, I was checked out, and yeah. um, I knew, Short I, had, knew I had a career. Yeah. I knew I had something going that was going to be really good. <clears throat> yeah, I was already making money at it and doing well with it. Um, I could see six figures in my future, mm -hmm. you know, and thought, you know, I don't need this, and just kind of exited stage left gotcha. you know, from the college scene. And I was starting to, you know, mature a little bit more, and I ended up running the office. Mm -hmm. So I became a manager when I was 20. Right. Um, and that was my first time ever being um, in that kind of situation in an office environment. Mm -hmm. I had worked asset protection at Sears when I was in high school for three years. And so I had a lot of responsibility doing that. It's undercover security. Right. And, you know, dealing with things and rules and responsibility and stuff like that. Having people arrested, crazy things. Yeah. Um, but this was a totally different situation. The responsibility of being the leader, you know, in an office environment is a totally different ball game. Yeah, it is. And so it was, it was and a different kick. industry altogether. Yeah. 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 Like immediate kickback, you know, uh, everyone else in the office, like he's the youngest one, mm -hmm. the least experienced. Why are you doing this? Why does he get this? Why, mm -hmm. you know, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so there was a lot of kickback, a lot of hate initially. Um, but fortunately my numbers were so good that it was easy for my buddy who was my boss to just say, listen, he does more business than all of you combined. Mm -hmm. So yes, you're going to listen to him. You're going to let him teach you. Right. This is a meritocracy. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. This is just, this has nothing to do with anything except for results. So the first, first mortgage company I ever worked for, I was in charge of 48 loan officers. Brand That's new out of the business, brand new, right? VP of, of, of um, production, okay? And every single one of those loan officers was older than me. Yeah. I was in my early 20s. It's tough. Right? Yeah, it really is. But it, but it worked. I mean, it, you know, we made it work. So, so you, so you become a manager at 20. Yeah. And you're there how long? was there until I was 24, 24 and a half. Okay. And that's when I moved to San Diego. Gotcha. Wouldn't have come here if it wasn't for my buddy who owned that company, John Schulte, if I hadn't, uh, he started an office out here. He, okay. wanted, he wanted to move out here. Okay. San Diego. He wanted to get away from the Midwest and come out here. And so I, the first time I came here was with him on a business trip looking for office space. Well, I gotcha. And we went and looked and opened an office here. And then I went back to Missouri. But I remember coming out here a couple of times and there was one point um, when we were, I was on a plane to go back to Missouri and I i felt like I was leaving home and going to some place I didn't want to go. Right. Um, and so I was San Diego will do that to you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to leave this place. Yeah, I don't um, like it. And I really didn't. And so I ended up actually resigning from that job, um, which was a, a cupcake job at that point. Mm -hmm. If I just stayed in Missouri, I could have had this great setup for life, basically. Yeah. Yeah. We're still crushing it there. Yeah. Um, but just didn't, um, you know, I wanted a, a new mountain to climb, I guess. So yeah. I resigned, moved out here without a job, um, had a roommate, and started figuring things out, play poker for about six months. So it was 2003? <laughs> that was uh, April or May of 2004. Okay, okay. Yeah. No, 2005, sorry, 2005. Okay. So 2005. Yeah. So you come out in the spring, early summer of 2005, mm -hmm. 
Um, and you played poker for how long? About six months. <laughs> okay. So you like to play poker. Obviously, you're good well, at it. But at the end of the day, it was, um, it's kind of just a, you know, a nasty life. You have a dream of, you know, playing poker and making money. And I actually went and I did that. Problem is, what are you doing? I'm going, I'm taking money from retired veterans and stuff yeah. like that. And they're, we're just having fun with their retirement check. And I'm sitting here trying to steal their money from them. Trying you know? to money, yeah. And it was... It was easy to do, but also made you feel kind of bad. Yeah. You know, these guys oh, are like, feeling, yeah. yeah, they're they're laughing, they're having a good time, and then all of a sudden you take their money and they're sitting there like, gosh, this sucks. Yeah, they want to go, but they can't because this is what they do. Yeah, um, and so just what it, it didn't feel good. It's like you know what, this isn't the right way to do it. Like if I was taking money from the casino, that's one thing. All right, taking money from old retired veterans, yeah, you know, with cool. Vietnam War hats on and stuff. That just it just wasn't uh, it wasn't something I could do long term, and so and it's too hard to beat the casino. Yeah. Uh, so I decided that uh, I best get a job, and so I did. I went and got a, a job as a telemarketing manager at a place called Aplus.net. Really? Um, so you didn't go back in the mortgage business? No, I didn't. I didn't get in the mortgage business. This is fascinating to me. Yeah. Just different mountains to climb. Right? Okay. Yeah. So so why so why A plus net? Why telemarketing? So uh, I had run our telemarketing operation at the uh, at the mortgage company in Missouri, yeah. and had figured out a formula for how to uh, be very very efficient. Right. And we were generating a thousand eleven hundred leads a day. Wow. With thirty telemarketers. So um, you know it was it was insane, way too much. For the what the loan officers could handle. I mean, right. I saw when I left there, I saw stacks, five, six hundred pages high of leads that had never been touched. Wow. I never called them, never touched them. Um, and so I had a, a good proficiency for telemarketing script writing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's what I, I went and I sold to these guys. And the guy who was the uh, the manager there, he immediately was like, You got it, you're in. Mm -hmm. And the guy who I was replacing was getting moved up. Okay. So he was there to, you know, and he's like, Hey man, it's a cake job, no problem. You know, you make three grand a month salary and then if I make three or four grand a month uh, you know commission and whatnot mm -hmm. and it's, it's a piece of cake you're gonna love it mm -hmm. and so first thing I did was I fired about two-thirds of the telemarketers wow they were terrible yeah they sucked they were complete waste gotcha and then we doubled production with the remaining people okay so um, everyone I caught everyone's attention that I was first of all willing to let people go because I didn't know the culture in California was so different yeah you don't just come and fire people here right um, it's uh, or let people go, but they were all temps. So we have a temp all the employment was done through temping, so it's very easy to let people go. So I was like, oh, so I can do it? Like, yeah. It's like, okay, then these people all have to go. Yeah, these are good. Um, and so we worked with these staffing agencies, and so I cut the fat, got down to about 12 telemarketers, okay. and then we doubled production with those 12. Okay. And they were also working less hours, because part of the reward was they got to leave early. Right. So we hit our daily goals, you get to go. Awesome. You know, and they love that. Oh, sure. They motivated the heck out of them. Yeah. Uh, even though they're paid by the hour, so they would make less. They wanted to leave early. So figuring out what do people want and then giving it to them, that's the key to everything. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, so, welcome to Manager 101. Right? That's so it, like, baby. Hey, you guys want to leave early, that's what you value. That's right. Not an extra $25 gift card if you hit this or that and you want to go home 10 minutes before traffic starts. Right. There no you problem. Go. Knock yourself out. And if we hit our goal for the week, by the end of the day or by lunchtime on Friday, then we leave. You know, half an hour early on Friday. Yeah. And I tell you that half an hour, I mean, just the difference it made of having their stuff. So I learned a lot about stuff, you know, in that in that process. But it was very simple as a hosting company. That they were doing well anyway. Don't mm -hmm. do anything wrong with trying to take credit for this. But um, after about a year that I was there, which is what I, how long I was there for, they sold the company to a venture capital firm uh, 
for like $92 million or something wow. like that. Wow. So these guys were from, um, oh man, what was the name of it? Not Romania. wasn't Ukraine. It was some, uh, what's the, what, what country of the capital is Sofia? Oh man, I can't remember. But anyway, so Sofia. They, yeah, Sofia. Bulgaria. Bulgaria. There so you go. They're, okay. from, they're from Bulgaria. Okay. And so they had uh, half the operation was in Bulgaria, and so they were able to run around the clocks as a website company. Gotcha. So that they work in this shift, and the guys in America work in that shift, and they overlap to have 24 hours. But it was in, it was in Bulgaria. They're Bulgarians. They started it in their garage mm-hmm. and then sold it for 92 million. Unreal. Pretty cool. That was very cool. Yeah. And I helped him get those numbers up a lot towards yeah. the end. They liked me a lot. Yeah, that's cool. That's <laughs> cool. Then so, I had to leave because I had to go back to the mortgage business. There you go. So so what made you go back into the mortgage business? <laughs> my buddy, um, who was my roommate, was also in the mortgage business and he wanted to branch out on his own. Okay. And he wanted me to partner with him. Okay. And so um, he was one of the only people I would have done it with. You know him, his name's Craig Sumlin. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do know Craig. He's the, he's the only person that I you know, would have done that with at that time. And he said, hey, let's do this together. It's February two, uh, 2006. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. You know, And we shook on it and we decided to do it. I actually continued to work at aplus.net for a little while okay. um, while we got the business started. And we used the money that I made from that while he was working on the mortgage business. We used the money I was making as a W2 employee to fund the stuff for the business. Right. One of the smartest things that, um, one of the best ideas I've ever had. Right. So why shouldn't, let me keep working here. Right. You're going to be there. It's not going to be any money coming in for a while. Yeah. Let me bring money in this way and then I'll come join you in the evenings. We'll make calls and stuff. There you go. And so we got it off the ground. This teeny tiny little place not far from here actually. Um, and, and did really well with it. We were the number one, in 2008, we were the number one branch for Benchmark Mortgage in the United States. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, so it didn't take too long for us to make a, a big hit. And of course, the crash, yeah. uh, a comment. Yeah, uh, so you so you hit the pit, you hit the peak or the pinnacle or whatever in 2008, and then here we go. Yeah. Grab all this something stationary. It was pretty, uh, it was pretty wild. And um, he stayed in the, in the business. I got into credit repair at that time. Yeah, I remember that's, that. That was what I saw was the big need mm-hmm. was credit repair. And we've been fixing people's credit, um, giving people advice on it for a long time. We started that business. And, and 2008 gave you a ton of clients. It was a, yeah, it worked out very well for the next couple of years. Um, you know, we did really well with it. It was actually a great business, really great business, doing things the right way. That's how we met. You were Mr. Credit. Yeah, Mr. Credit. That was the brand, you know, and we got that from Mr. Ticket, um, by the way. And I know Mr. Ticket um, is out there and he listens to my stuff. And I didn't know that he was a fan of mine, but Mr. Credit came from Mr. Ticket. It was Craig's idea. Craig the credit. He said, you need to be like Mr. Ticket. You need to be Mr. Credit. I was like, let's do it. That's the one. So Craig has always had an unbelievable talent for this, for the media kind of stuff and the marketing and branding. And you know what I mean? It's just, he's just, the guy's a genius. Yeah. He's really good with it. Yeah. Really, really good with it. And so we did the credit repair business for a while. Um, And that's what started me into actually following the actual dream. From my childhood dream of doing a radio show yeah. was Mr. Credit. Getting the idea of getting on the radio and talking about these credit-related items and you know, doing it once a week to start. Mm-hmm. Started off there, um, and, and it was good. People were like really interested, and I noticed a little following being built. You mm-hmm. know, um, I, I saw the traction. I was like, man, this is something I've got to get on the on the air every day, mm-hmm. um, and I really wanted to pursue that. And so I went and I met with people at BCA, Broadcast Company of America, 
doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. But um, they had ESPN seventeen hundred and they had Ray Lucia on. Mm-hmm. And Ray Lucia had been on that station for a long time. Yeah. He was on from nine to noon. Mm-hmm. And so it was it would be perfect if I could follow Ray. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly the spot that was available was noon to one. Oh, beautiful. So it was just a perfect, you know, Segway, marriage, yep. uh, yep. setup. And the way that that worked, also, I own the show completely. So um, the way that works in the radio business is two ways you can do it, right? You can, the studio can own the show. They're paying you as a host of W2. And they own all the, the rights. And they're going to go over the show with you, tell you what to say, what not to say, who mm-hmm. you're going to have as guests, blah, 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 blah. I completely own the time, so I could do whatever I wanted. I, right. I had to pay for it, which means I had to get my own advertisers right. to cover the costs and things like that. So um, initially, when I started, I was upside down on the show, and uh, just like all of us, <laughs> yeah. And it's just you know, it was, I was upside down on the show, and, and and the lowest point of my life was right when um, I was I was upside down on the show when I realized that was my only thing that I had was the show. When I, I Craig and I broke up. Uh, because we had a, a business partner that was stealing from us, and um, I addressed it with all the partners, and no one wanted to like do anything about it. Mm-hmm. They were just like, "Oh, he's just uh, that's just the way he is, you know, and he's gonna have to do this and that." I was like, "No, guys, he's stealing money. He's paying his own rent out of our business account. Mm-hmm. Can't do that, right? Uh, and none of us are getting paid, right? So you, you, you got that's a problem. The cookie jar, you yeah. Know? No one wanted to do anything about it." So I said, okay, guys, well, then I'm out of here. So I broke up with Craig. I broke up with Dave Savage. I broke up with Warren Quintero. Um, all those guys at the same time. And I said, look, I can't be partnered with you guys. But I had nothing to go to. I so had you're in business with Ron Quintero? Yes. Wow. He was the guy who was dealing. Oh, my goodness gracious. So, wow. So um, I... Uh, I actually remember when all that went down. I just didn't know all the details. It went down a long time before. So... Since then, Dave and Craig have both come to me and said, you were so right. Yeah. Uh, you, you got out of there at the right time. We dealt with so much more crap with Ron and stuff. And Ron recently killed himself. Yeah. Um, because he had no one else to steal from, I guess. But, you know, that that's, it was a, it was a crazy situation because I had nothing to lean on. All right. I had was my show. Right. Okay, which I was profitable at the time, like 1300 bucks a month. Right. I had a three-year-old daughter, um, an apartment, you know, and... Uh, I didn't have I didn't have much. Right. So then, shortly after I, I broke up, the broke up, breakup was official. I uh, heard from one of my my biggest sponsor, mm-hmm. who had been drowning with calls. Um, as a real estate agent, I'll leave his name out of it, but um, and I'd been getting complaints about him not calling people back. Mm-hmm. But we were running ads for loan modifications and things like that, which a lot of times turn to short sales and so forth. He was getting blown up. I knew he was. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't worried about it at all. He canceled. So I went from being 1,300 positive to now being 1,200 negative. So oh my I gosh. have nothing except for the show that I'm, I'm upside down on. Right. I think I spent about one full day being sorry for myself yeah. um, and just sort of being like, you know, shit, poor me. Yeah. And, uh, and then I decided, I remember it was in the evening late, I just decided, you know what? I'm going to kick this ass, whatever yeah. this is. I don't even know what it is that's in front of me, I'm going to kick its ass. Yeah. And so I just got on the computer and I started emailing people, texting people, calling people late at night, just trying to figure out how to get sponsors for the show. Right. Didn't take me long to start getting to get into the green. Got some stuff. Luck rained upon me. 
um, a couple of times before you yeah. know. But it, you you had to get after it I to get the luck down, yeah. right? I so the harder it. you work, the luckier you get. Correct. You know? yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly the way to put it. Yeah. So then I got I got the sponsors I needed, and uh, wasn't too long after that I was living my actual dream. But I had to hit rock bottom first. Yeah. Um, I had to file bankruptcy. Oh my gosh! I had to go through that, Mr. Credit. I had to file bankruptcy as Mr. Credit. Mr. Credit filed for bankruptcy. Correct. And now one of my top advertisers was William McDonald. Oh my gosh! Bankruptcy. Oh my gosh! What a cracker! So it was perfect. Yeah, it was perfect for me to say, listen, um, you know, this is a protective law. Yeah. And we we generate a lot of business for them during that time, obviously. Yeah. So my biggest sponsor was a bankruptcy firm whom I used Mm -hmm. to file my own bankruptcy. Protected all of my retirement assets, my kids' college funds, all that stuff was protected. Just got rid of the debt that I was drowning in at that mm-hmm. point because I've been living off credit cards for however long trying sure. to build this business up. Yeah. And uh, you know, it was it was that was very eye-opening going through that experience as well. So I could speak to people. So listen, I had to do this. Yeah. You know, it was terrible. I went through divorce, business divorce, divorced my daughter's mom as well. And through all this stuff, mm-hmm. all at the same time. It was a lot, Mike. Yeah, it was a lot. But it was just on the other side of that where I lived my dream. Yeah. So isn't that something? Yeah, it is. It's life, man. Going it's, through that you, you gotta go. You gotta go through those those just incredibly tough times sometimes, so that you can come out the other side. And you know, yeah, your dream is right there. It's and so the many side. people, so many people, and I'm telling you, people that are listening to this right now are going through a tough time. And they think that there's no there's no light at the end of the tunnel. You and I can both speak to the fact with enough life experience now, we can both speak to the fact that even though things are rough right now, there really is light at the end of the tunnel. Your best days are ahead. You just gotta hang in there. You just gotta keep putting one foot in front of the other. Like you, you know, you grabbed your computer and started sending emails and texts and started calling and you know, figured out a way, right? And doubled down and made it happen. I didn't realize you had ever filed for bankruptcy. That's yeah. a that's a whole so so I'm gonna share something with you that you probably already know that I tell people all the time because they are ashamed that they've gone through bankruptcy. Some of the best credit people on the planet have been through bankruptcy because now they appreciate their credit differently. They look at it differently. Yeah. So some of the best borrowers we've ever had in the lending in the lending side and and you know, the customers on the real estate side, that kind of thing, have been through a bankruptcy. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, it changes your frame of reference. If you hang out with enough entrepreneurs, I didn't feel the shame in it um, that I think a lot of people do because of just stigma. Yeah. Because if you hang out with enough entrepreneurs, that's one of the, the bad badges of honor. Yeah. It's like if you haven't filed BK, you're not trying hard enough. Right. Like you haven't taken enough chances. Right. You haven't put yourself out there. You and risk need to you're, meet. You're paying to be safe. You need to go big. Right. Have you tried your dream yet? Why not? Yeah. Go try. It's set up that way here. Exactly. In America. Where exactly. you can go and you can give it a shot and you can borrow money from banks. And if it doesn't work out, you don't have to pay it back. Yeah. You know, and, and, and so why haven't you filed BK? Like if you hadn't done it, people were like, mm, you was. Yeah. You know what's what's your thing? Yeah, you have no stones. You gotta bring it. So it wasn't. You gotta for, bring it. So for, for me, and it wasn't a badge of honor for me necessarily, but a lot of people looked at it that way. A lot of people that I hung out with and the people in the entrepreneurial mm-hmm. world um, saw it that way. So I didn't have a, a problem with it um, yeah. personally going through the process. Plus, I was already endorsing my bankruptcy attorney on my show. So for me to go through the process and to explain that and go through that on the radio, 
I think was, was helpful for a lot of people who are going through the same thing. Exactly. And I, the only reason I'm talking about the stigma part of it is that stigma part of it is something that people create in themselves. It's really not, and, and society does too, right? But it's really not, it really shouldn't be. It shouldn't be one of those things. It's basically just a fresh start. It's an opportunity to reset everything and take your life and go, you've lived now, you've experienced it, now you go forward, right? You just cannot learn as much as you'll learn if you, if you don't fall flat on your face. That's what the entrepreneurs are telling you and that's what I want people to understand. It's one of the reasons why we're writing the book because millennials have PTSD about real estate and they're afraid they're gonna go bankrupt. They're gonna lose their house to foreclosure. All these things are gonna happen that they watched happen in the Great Recession, right? And the whole idea is there are ways, thank you, Mr. Credit, there are ways to get past that. There are ways to recover from it. We have things like bankruptcy and foreclosure that help us reset. It really, there really are solutions out there. It's also a mentality of sort of understanding like in the markets, for example, you yeah. wanna buy low and sell high. Right. People want to sell themselves at their low point. Yeah. That's when you need to buy yeah. you. And that means just doubling down on you, right? your actions, your activities. And we were talking about hitting rock bottom. When you hit rock bottom, that, that means that it's upside from here. Yeah. That doesn't mean now's the time to throw in the towel. Exactly. That means now's the time to look forward to things really only having one direction they can go. Absolutely. And redouble, <laughs> just like you did, redouble your efforts. Yes. Right? And that breakthrough is right there. It doesn't feel like it, right? It, it doesn't feel that way. No. But... It will get, you'll get there. You're living proof of it. I'm living proof of it. I mean, there are a lot of people out there that have been through really, really rough times and, and rock bottom big time. We've had a bunch of people on the podcast that have been through just excruciating experiences. But on the other side of that, because they, could, they put one foot in front of the other and kept their eye on the horizon and their eye on the ball, they got there. Yeah. That's what it takes, just staying after it. Absolutely. You know, definitely when don't sell yourself. Don't ever give up. Don't ever, ever give up. Buy you. Yeah. When you feel that your price is down, when your stock is down, yeah. buy you. Yeah. And that's that was the thing that I learned in that situation, <clears throat> which propelled forward um, into, you know, kind of where we are today. Right. It's just staying after it, staying after it. Staying so after Mr. Credit, ESPN Radio, that's where we met. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then, um, and then we go, and then from there, where do you go? So from radio, um, you know, I, I did that grind for mm -hmm. seven years yeah. every day and it was great. Yeah. And you were very good at it. I really it. liked it. Yeah. You really were very good at it. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. It was, it was a dream. Like I said, and then at a certain point in time, um, I get this itch to climb the mountains Right. and I just so happened to be recruited by the Union Tribune. It's the first time I've ever been recruited for anything in my life. Oh, really? Professionally. Never been recruited for anything. So Union Tribune has an opening for, you know, a real estate executive. Okay. <clears throat> and they happen to know someone who knows me in the real estate industry, so they recommend that I go and interview for the position. So I went in and talked to the guy, Joe Brennan. His name was Brennan or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and he... Um, I said, well, listen, I'm only interested in doing something like this. If you literally make me like the CEO of the department, I don't want anyone telling me what to do. I have to be in control. I have to make all the decisions and that has to be okay with everybody. And he goes, great, that's exactly what we need. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so they offered me um, 150K salary with uh, 100,000 in potential bonuses to go and do that. And um, it also worked in lockstep with what I was doing with my radio business. Mm -hmm 
this point now, I have three hours a day on the radio that I'm in control of and that I own. Lots of people doing lots of shows. Yeah. My show was the anchor show, but now I needed to, to farm that out so that I could go do this other job right. and step away from the radio. And so um, it was hard to do, but at the same time, it was a new, a new mountain. Um, it it inter, inter worked, interconnected well, and I didn't lose any revenue from radio, so right. I just picked up this new income. So I felt like I was rich right. you know, for like the first time. Um, really ever I felt rich like yeah. I have more, more, more money coming in than I can spend right um, and so that's a fun feeling it was a fun feeling <laughs> it was a fun feeling you know and, and there was and I had you know the, the control that I wanted too yeah. I didn't have to answer to anybody yeah. uh, but it was hard managing that many people there was like 20 people that worked in that apartment or something mm-hmm. and so that, that was there was a lot of challenges with that and I was out of the office a lot meeting with people doing the real estate shows trying to get people interested in the paper and or the radio show, trying to use it in conjunction. Mm-hmm. Just, hey, what are you interested in? You wanna talk radio, you wanna talk newspaper? Right. Right. I'm both, you know, open house advertisements, blah, 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 I was, I was slinging all that stuff, right? So that's how I got the phone call from the, about the, you called me about the Union Tribune thing, the advisory council thing that we were on? I don't remember. Okay, well, you called me and you said, hey, Could Union be. Tribune called me and said that they're looking for the best of the best in real estate in San Diego. We did a meeting. Right. Yes. And there were there were two rooms I found out later. Yep. Right? And they had cameras running in both rooms. And I was in the room that you weren't in there. You were in the other room. I was in the room with the CEO. Mm-hmm. And the CEO asked me a very dangerous question for somebody like me, which was, Mr. Linton, if you own the Union Tribune, what would you do? <laughs> 21 minutes later, I finished up my answer. Okay. And I figured I'll never hear from these guys ever again. And that next day they called me and said, we're taking, we're selecting people from both groups. We want you, and I think it was four other people, to be on this advisory council where you're gonna spend all day in Papa Doug's office. Did you know about all this? I did not know about Okay, so this was, this was Papa Doug Manchester reaching. By the way, if you're listening, Papa Doug, I'm working on, I'm trying to get you to call me back to be on this podcast. <laughs> so um, we were on an advisory council because they were trying to reach out to realtors. They were trying to reach out to the real estate industry. And so they literally said to me, that the CEO said, if you own the Union Tribune, what would you do to reach out to the real estate community? 21 minutes later, right? Yeah, I'm not joking. I thought for sure I'd never hear from him again. I almost called you to apologize because you were the one that called me to invite me, right? And the next day they call and they're like, hey, we loved your answer. We, we think, we think what, you know, the way you're thinking is brilliant. We want you to be a part of this advisory council. Sam Coromian, yep. who I just had on the show last week, Sam was in that group with us. Yep. It was cool. We spent all day in Papa Doug's office. That's fun. It was awesome. It I was really cool. I never got to hang out in Papa it was really cool. So, um, I see. I thought you. I I thought you engineered all that. So because you were the one that called me to invite me. Yeah. But was, I think it was. I think they had reached out to you. You said yes. And then you reached out to me. So it was. It but, was. I believe it was. It was something that it was my idea. Yeah. Um, but at the time they were they were reeling. They didn't know what to do. Yeah. With they really were. They didn't know what to do with it. They really were. And the cool thing was, I don't know. 60 days later or 45 days later or something, we come back and Papa Doug's there and they go through all the things that, that we, on the advisory council, all the, all the things that we suggested, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, Mr. Litton suggested this and we did it. Mr. Litton suggested this and we did it. Mr. Litton suggested this and we did it, right? And this buddy of mine reached over and he goes, if I knew this was gonna be the Mike Litton show, 
I would have passed, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, that was it was cool, man. It was it was that was an awesome experience. Um, so so they so they bring you on the head of real estate. How long were you there? About six months. Okay, and it was because it was just too much. Things changed. Okay. Um, they weren't doing all the things that I said we needed to do. Okay. So, I, uh, not that I was lied to, but they didn't fulfill the promise that it was going to be, you know, we were going to do what I said we needed to do. Okay. So, I wanted to do some things on the website. I wanted to, to update things that I knew would be sexy for the real estate industry and do things. Like that. And things started moving in that direction. All of a sudden, they came to a halt. No one was giving me answers like, okay, I can't do this. Yeah. If you guys need to play politics, I've scratched one's back, get things done, I just can't do it. I can't yeah. operate like that. It wasn't the deal you made. It wasn't the deal I made, and I just was like, you know what, I'm not going to play this game. And I also knew there were other executives that were um, on their way out. Yeah. Um, also, the, the news industry is extremely disgusting. Yeah. So, like, for example, there were fires going on. This is 2014. So, we had fires going on, and there's executive meeting, literally from every department, every executive in a, in a room like this. And... Um, People were giddy, Mike. Yeah. Giddy. Yeah, because they now had material. They were making and so much it, money. If it bleeds, it leads. They were getting calls from Walmart and yeah. Lowe's, and everybody wanted to be, you know, throwing 100000 this and there. Yeah. Money was flying in from every direction mm -hmm. because people's houses were burning down. Yeah. And the executives were giddy about it. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? This is not It's disgusting, for me. dude. It's, it's not disgusting. for me. Yeah. I just can't hang like this. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to throw up. Yeah. I can't believe I'm in this room. Mm -hmm. People were looking at me weird because I wasn't like happy like everyone else was. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so I knew that wasn't the right place for me at that time. And it wasn't long after that that I was gone. Yeah. And then that's when I went to 760 and did uh, the show over there on 760 for yeah. a little while. Um, just kind of getting back into the thing before I then got back into the mortgage business mm -hmm. uh, full time with Mr. Cahan mm -hmm. over at Cornerstone. Mm -hmm. Um, doing you know different things for him from a media standpoint, recruiting standpoint. Um, but ultimately, before my most recent two children were born, mm -hmm. we're now two and four. And cute as a bug's ear, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. They're great. Literally, and they're growing um, so fast. Yeah, man. They're it's my crazy. goodness. It's crazy. But I made the decision I wanted to actually become a loan officer, mm -hmm. and I didn't want to manage anyone. I didn't want anyone to manage me. I just wanted to run my own business. I wanted to give people great deals. Um, and, and just do a good job, but I want to be around for my kids. Yeah. Didn't get that with my first one. That was a lesson I learned. Yeah. Was you know being in an office for twelve hours a day, yeah. getting to see her for thirty minutes. Yeah. It was a bad deal. Yeah, and a bad deal for her. Bad deal for her. Bad deal for me. Wasn't yeah. good. I didn't want to do that. So I went ahead and said, you know what? I'm going to become a loan officer. Mm -hmm. I'm going to work from a home office. I'm going to be around. Yeah. And maybe I'm still going to be locked in there for hours and hours at a time because this business requires a lot of you. Yeah. But when I get to take a break, when I take a lunch, I'll be there. I'm going to be taking that break with my kids. I'm yeah. going to be taking that lunch with my kids. And you're going to be present. You know, yeah. I'm there. Yeah. They know daddy's there. Yeah. If someone falls, gets hurt, if mom needs a break, I can be there. Yeah. And so uh, that was the, the major thing, lesson that I learned. And that's, that's where we got to essentially where we are today. Yeah. So real credit and huge kudos to you for learning and allowing yourself to learn okay um you know not every father learns those lessons not every father applies them not every father becomes a better dad because they messed up on the first one okay um and i'm big into people that are listening to the podcast know that i'm big into being a dad it was one of the it was one of the true honors of my life was being the father to my two children 
and I was, and you remember this because you and I had this conversation. I gave up radio in 2014 so that I could go home and chase the kids. And you came and talked to me. You remember this? You may not remember this. I but you, you called me and you're like, hey, I wanna, I wanna take you to coffee. I wanna talk to you about radio, okay? So we go to Starbucks in Encinitas and we have a conversation because Trump was gonna win the nomination and you wanted me to come on and do a drive time morning show, the Mike Litton show, but you wanted me to talk about the Trump nomination and, and what was happening in the, in the election and all yeah, that. And yeah, and I was, I was big time tempted, but I had, to, I had to go chase these kids around. And man, you, you, you worked really hard to close me on that deal <laughs> and it didn't work. You know, I ultimately had to say no to you, but, um, but it was, but it was one of those things where, and, and I mean, there were even people at Starbucks after you left, there were people at Starbucks that came up to me and said, you know, you really should do the radio thing. They listened to what we were talking about. That was a great conversation. They could overhear I our conversation. Do you remember? I remember, I remember yeah. Us, yeah. I mean, it, it was like an EF Hutton moment. Like we were talking and everybody else was listening, you know? Yeah, was it was back. crazy, man. It was crazy. So that was, that was quite an experience. So thank you for that. Yes. I love you. You know that. Um, so. So you, so you come up to today, you're now a loan officer. You've been a loan officer now for a, a few years. Yeah, um, 2019. And so being in the mortgage business is a lot. It's, so can, let's go back for a second. We were, I used to be on a thing with you called Sparta San Diego. I was mm -hmm. on Sparta San Diego Radio, I was on Sparta San Diego TV. Yeah. Um, are you currently doing something like that now? Like, are you, no. okay, so you're, um, and, and and help me with something. We lost Sonia Azizi not too long yeah. ago, who we dearly loved. Yeah. Um, and she'd mopped the floor with me on both of the of the shows that I was on with you. What was it called? Win This Listing. Win This Listing, there we go. She just, I didn't even have a chance. I didn't even have a prayer. She was very good. Oh, she's amazing, absolutely amazing. One of the most talented people I've ever met in my life, and, and I'm really sorry that we, that we lost her, you know, um, and we, and I don't know if you know this, but I got a hold of the CEO of Compass. Um, she was a Compass real estate agent yeah. and I got a hold of Refkin and um, that in fact, the week that she passed, uh, I got a hold of him on a front on that Friday afternoon and he is helping to raise money for that GoFundMe um, account. So, um, and he didn't, he didn't know that she had passed. It hadn't made it up to him. And so he was, you know, credit to him, he was getting involved and, and helping. So, um, yeah, that was, um, that was, that was a humiliating experience. It was fun, yeah, but it was a very humiliating experience. Very, um, humbling anyway. Um, so, so, sorry. So you're not doing anything like, um, Sparta San Diego, that kind of thing. So no. smart. So, so Mr. Credit evolved in smart in Sparta San Diego. True. Yeah. After 760, um, that's when I opened the, um, television studio, built right. a television studio because sponsors were just more interested in doing TV. Right. And we were essentially doing the radio show with four cameras set up anyway. Yeah. So it's like we were doing all the work for TV. Yeah. I so, agree with that. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. So I went in and opened up a studio, built it um, myself just in a small office space in Cerno Valley. Yeah. You know, built a studio there. And, and the studio is still there, by the way. It is. I was just there the other day. Yep. Still there. Um, I handed it over um, to my buddy Brett mm -hmm. and he's running it now doing his own thing with it but um, 
yeah, I, I exited from that and just um, decided to focus on just one thing, just yeah. trying to keep it simple. Good yeah. for you. But yeah, we did the TV show for my So family. you've been in the mortgage business now for a few years. You're doing well. Um, I'm thoroughly impressed with with your insights, your market analysis, all the stuff that you're doing. I love listening to you. Um, I always have loved listening to you, but I love listening to you when you talk about the market and technical stuff and all that. So let's talk a little bit about being in the mortgage business now, what's most important to you going forward? In other words, now that you're, now that you're where you are at this station in your life, obviously you're raising two, two babies, two and four, right? Um, and, and you're, and you're doing your own gig, you're your own, your own boss, basically. What's most important today and going forward? Um, just focus. What I call right action. Yeah. Just make sure you're doing the right things. Yeah. What should you be doing right now? Perfect. You know, that's it. What should you be doing right now? Right. Um, and you need to know what that answer to that is yeah. at every time of every day. Yeah. So um, just make staying on course with the same things. Like, for example, today is uh, Tuesday, mm -hmm. right? So today I'm going to follow up with all my hot prospects. Right. These are people who have been referred to me or have reached out to me inquiring about a loan that have not done the application yet. Gotcha. So right action this afternoon is going to be following up with all those people. That's what I need to be doing. Right. Um, and you know, just kind of staying on track with the organization of, I know what my daily to do is for business. Mm -hmm. I know what the daily routine is with the kids mm -hmm. and what my role is at those different moments. That's awesome. So just staying on right action, you know, it's being focused on doing the right things, do the right things, do the right things, do the right things, brick by brick. It's the way you've always done it, dude. Yeah, just brick by brick. It's the way you've always done it. It's why I'm proud of you. It's why I love you. Um, and you know that. Um, so is there anything else you'd like to like to talk about before we sign off? No, I think it's perfect timing. I think I got a scoot. I think I can still make it. Yeah, you got a scoot. <laughs> Sorry, man. We went, we went a little long on time. Right. But thank you for being here. You got it, brother. I appreciate you. Appreciate you. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Mike Litton Experience. If you did, do us a favor. Smash that subscribe button. Tell your friends, family, and coworkers about our program. And wherever you get your podcasts, please leave us a rating. It helps us to connect with quality people just like you. And that's a wrap. Another episode of the Mike Litton Experience in the books. Reach out to Mike on Instagram at Litton Realty. Want to meet with Mike? Check out calendly.com slash Rio 760.